In today's show, I'm looking at some players who might be sell-high options for Fantasy Basketball League's Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today, we are looking at some sell-high options. Now, this is not going to be achievable all the time. You, you Sometimes with these guys, you try and move them. If the other managers in your league are savvy, you won't be able to get away with it. So you just ride out the hot streak. But you always want to inquire. You always want to see what you can do. You always want to see whether you can extract 10, 20, 25 ranking spots worth of value on a trade for a guy who is outperforming. You try and use narratives. You try and use um, social media brand and hype in players as well. And you try and uh, you pick out your opposing manager's um, flaws and biases and the way that they uh, value other players in these deals as well. So... Let's start off with category leagues, and let's start with the Don, Donovan Mitchell. He's Don. He's good. First of all, find the bloke in your league who thinks Donovan Mitchell should be in the MVP candidate race. Best player on the best team, guys. Got to be in the MVP race. Not the best player on the best team, and not in the MVP race. But there are people who think that, and I have had discussions with those people before. Um, so you've got to find that guy. Over the last week, last three games, Mitchell is averaging 27 points, seven assists, with 2.7 steals, making him the 20th ranked player. Remember, this is a bloke who has never been inside the top 40 for fantasy, and this year, again, his rankings are remarkable. 44 as a rookie, then 41, then 45, and this year, he's 46th. It's just remarkable how he's always in that same range, but the last week has really stepped it up. His assists have gone from 5.2 to 6.7, and most importantly, one steal to 2.7 steals. He's getting to the line more, which is what happens when he plays point guard, although Conley's been back for two of these three games in a smaller capacity. His assists are up. Again, Conley being out has helped that. And I think we look at, if you just look at Mitchell as a guy who's a 35 to 45 ranked player, history would tell you you're not going to go wrong. There are people, again, who are massively high on Donovan Mitchell. I think that he can become a top 20, 15 player at some point in the future, and he needs to be consistently getting close to two steals and consistently getting seven assists and consistently getting seven free throw attempts per game. He's not there yet, so I'm not buying that this is a turnaround with these high steal numbers in these last couple of games and the increase in assists, which, again, comes without Conley. And he had seven steals in, in two of the last three games combined. He only had one in that last game. So it is a real um, jump up there from Don Mitchell. So you just see what you can do. Can you get him uh, for a top 25 player? Can you find that person in your league who thinks Donovan Mitchell is a real MVP candidate? The Kerner, Clint Capella, really putting up big numbers this year. Like he, I, I didn't think that he would be anywhere near as good as what he's been. I thought they'd be really cautious in managing his heel. And I shit myself in the preseason when you know, he had to sit out games with Achilles soreness. He went, oh, no. The same problem is cropping up again. Well, he's playing more minutes, but he's been absolutely dominant in those minutes this season. He is the 37th ranked player, but over the last week, he's taken it to another level by shooting 81% from the field, 
23 points, 13 rebounds, and two blocks. And he's also improved his free throw shooting up to 67%. That's a true shooting of 80% for those of you at home. I didn't really think I'd ever see the day where Clint Capella would have a usage of over 20%. His numbers in Houston, 16, 18, 19, 18, 16, like not big numbers at all. He's running at 22% over the last three games. It is completely nullifying what John Collins is doing because they're just looking for him at every lob opportunity possible. But a cl- again, a clinker palette with an above average usage is not something I saw coming. Now, I do think that that 22.5% usage over the last three games will come down, as will the 81% shooting on twos, as as will the 67% on his free throws. I think all of that stuff will come down, and maybe even the 32 minutes a night will drop down for Capella. But we're not talking about a guy that's going to tumble outside the top 70 or anything like that. We're talking about trying to see if you can extract top 20 value. And look, it shouldn't be that hard to convince. And look, maybe he even remains in this area. You could make the argument, and I reckon if you made the argument, you might even convince yourself, to be honest. Hey, John Collins, look, they're just minimizing him. And if Collins gets traded, it's going to be more of this from Capella. Yeah, you could use that as an argument. But again, when you're selling high on a player... When you, if you use those arguments too aggressive, the bloke's just going to turn around and go, "Well, mate, why, why would I, why would I want him in that in that scenario?" Um, or, or sorry, why, why would you? Sorry, not why would I want him? Why would you want to get rid of him if you think things are going to stay the same? So it's got to be more of like it's not necessarily working for my team. I'd rather this guy. I think this guy's got high upside. It's a, it's a win-win type scenario. You got to use win-wins a lot when talking trades. Yeah, this is how this benefits you. This is how this benefits me. Not like, hey, this guy, amazing stuff. Look how good he is. And they're going to be like, why are you getting rid of him? So just just be careful about that sort of thing. But Capella's recent production is at an unsustainable level. As is Bob Covington. Now, Covington started out this season horrendously. He was outside the top 100 for a very long time. He is no longer outside the top 100. He's the 74th ranked player. And in fact, over the last month, which coincides nicely with Yusuf Nurkic's absence, he's a top 50 player. But he's taken that to a new level. Over the last four games, Robert Covington has 16 blocks. That is a lot of blocks. A very very big lot of blocks. He's only averaging nine points, but four blocks per game two threes, and eight boards. One of my concerns with Covington this year was he wasn't going to get to play center. They'd play um, Cantor, they'd play Nurkic, they brought in Giles, they'll get Collins back. So all of those rebound numbers, all of those block numbers, the high field goal percentage, higher field goal percentage would drop off. And then Collins isn't back, Nurkic is injured, and Covington's playing center. And we're seeing the numbers revert. This is obviously at a high level. And you might have another month or so until Nurkic returns. I don't know. Maybe it's another three weeks, two weeks. Maybe it's all-star break. But, you know, I don't know this for sure, but my prediction with it in the off-season was that, you know, with Nurkic there, he would lose rebounds and blocks. That's what happened to begin the season. Nurkic went out, rebounds and blocks went up. And that's not, that might not be, um, you know, correlation or causation or anything like that. It might be completely fluky and coincidental and Covington's block numbers will stay up when Nurkic returns. But I'd like to bet on what my analysis is with that. I'd like to bet on what my reasoning is with that and think that there is some sell high here. Now, you know, he's the 22nd ranked player of the last week. You're not going to get that player back. But top 50, yeah, no, I think you should try a top 50 player because I think he goes back to being like a 75 to 80 ranked player uh, over the course of the rest of the season. But really, some some impressive, super impressive numbers from Robert Covington over the short term. Caliubre Jr. has been on a lot of buy low videos of mine, and now he is rolling. 30th ranked player over the last week. 
He is hitting 43% of his threes over his last 16 games, and over the last three games, he is 50% from three. And we talked about how he's not an 8% three-point shooter to begin this season, which, which I think is pretty obvious. Uh, he's also not a 50% shooter. This is like a 34% three-point shooter at best. So there is absolutely going to be a drop-off. He's also, in the last three games, playing 39 minutes a game and averaging 25 points per game and averaging three steals per game. So there's a lot of shit there that's just not going to continue. Should he be able to be a top 100 player moving forward? Yes. Top 80? Probably, or close to it at least. But there is two weeks worth here of him being a top 50 player on the back of some insane three-point shooting and uh, some very high steal numbers, which I'm not sure is going to stick. Now, selling high on Ubre can be tough considering how he started the year, but you've got to try it. You've got to look at this because there are, I, I've had, and, and when I say a lot of this stuff, it's it's based on a lot of things that I hear and things that people tweet at me. And, you know, people, Ubre's bum, he's terrible. He's got to be dropped. He's got to be dropped. And then yeah, he turned it around and it's like, can Ubre sustain the last two weeks of production? So people look at it and just go, well, look, hey man, look how good he is. But they don't look at the fact that he's shooting 50% from three. And you know that that can't continue. Montrez Harrell, the table. Minutes are down. 22 minutes a night over the last two weeks. But usage way up, 25%. That's the lack of Anthony Davis and the lack of Dennis Schroeder. In fact, over the last week, he's the 60th ranked player and only playing 20 minutes a night because his usage is at 31%. Now, the minutes will go back up for him, you would imagine, when Davis eventually returns. Um, but the sweet spot, interesting thing is going to be there is when Schroeder returns, that means the usage probably drops, but the minutes don't go up. So we're going to balance or straddle an interesting value proposition here for Harrell. At the moment, the minutes are down and the usage is up and they're balancing out. In fact, it's balancing out to a great degree. 94% from the line, 61 from the field. Yeah, 18 and 7 in 20 minutes is insane production. But if that usage goes back to... Now, his usage this season is 20%. So if he goes back to, say, 24%, 25%, and still plays only 22, 23 minutes with Marcus Gasol getting the bulk of those minutes at center, and now there's talk that the Lakers... You know, and it's speculation, but maybe they want Hassan Whiteside. Don't know why, but maybe they want Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, where do his, his minutes lie? If I can get any sort of top 80 player back for Montrez Harrell, maybe even top 90 player, I, I think I'd do it. I'm just not convinced of this usage minutes combination. And if Schroeder's back, usage drops. That doesn't necessarily mean minutes increase. And yeah, that could be a real down point in his value. Let's look at some points leagues players. Now, the headmaster, Jamal Murray, over the last week, he's averaging 53 fantasy points. And I'll tell you why he's a guy to target as a sell high player. Because you see, as soon as he puts up these numbers, Bubble Murray, Bubble Murray's back. It's Bubble Murray. Can he be Bubble Murray? Can he be Jamal Murray from the bubble? That's the question I've had a million times. Um, he's scoring 37, uh, 35 points per game in 37 minutes over the last four games. He's averaging two steals per game. So right there is two things that are going to drop. His usage is at 32%. It does help that Millsap and Green and Harris have been out. Barton's been out for some of this time as well. He is a guy that averaged, what, 33 fantasy points per game last year. He's at 35 this season. And now he's up to 53 over his last four games. He's up to 44 over the last two weeks. And maybe that's realistic, but he's averaging 28 points per game in that time frame. And I'm not, I'm not convinced that that's what he's going to be able to do as we move forward. So, yeah, I think that 
it is a tricky one to try and navigate. I think you can look at him as a top 50 prospect for the rest of the year. But this recent run of form from Jamal Murray, that 35% shooting is, or 35 points per game, is something that I don't think that we should be um, banking on, as well as the two steals. He's just never shown to be that level of a player who's able to get you uh, two steals per game. Jarrett Allen, 14th ranked player over the last week, averaging 49 fantasy points. Why? He's playing 38 minutes a night. He's only got a 17% usage, but he's averaging 23 points per game in 38 minutes. That's obviously ridiculously good. He's averaging... Now, I love Jarrett Allen. You know that I think he's good. You know that I talked about it incessantly last year with DeAndre Jordan bullshit, and then incessantly this year with the DeAndre Jordan bullshit, but more importantly with the Andre Drummond bullshit. So it's not that I don't like this guy as a player. But over the last two games, Jarrett Allen has missed one shot. So to say that that's unsustainable would be pretty accurate, I would say. Um... The minutes, they're probably not going to stick that high. Can he be a 34-minute-a-night player? Yeah. Yeah, he can. Can he be a top 30 guy? Maybe. But what he's currently doing, on that level of efficiency, with that level of scoring, in that many minutes, is probably going to be somewhat of a drop-off. They're just playing him way too much for me to look at him as a 49-point producer. Look at him as a 40-point producer? Sure. Evan Fournier. He's been unbelievable since returning from injury, averaging 25 points per game and 39 fantasy points over the last three. His last 10 games have given us 33 fantasy points per game as well. He's going to get a lot of usage on this team with Aaron Gordon out, but Aaron Gordon's going to return. Cole Anthony is going to return. And then Fournier's usage might go down from 29% to 25% or 26%. And then that's going to have an impact on his overall production because he's not doing it through big defensive numbers. He's not doing it through big steal numbers. His assists are up because Gordon and Anthony are out as well. So that's impacting his value. And there is the ever-present risk of his back injury. So I look at him more as a 31 to 33 point producer rather than the guy that's averaging almost 40 over the last week of action. So yeah, target guys around that range. Um, well, target guys in between that range, sorry, more, more, more to, uh, to be more accurate. Kendrick Nunn, this is going to be tough. There are people who love this guy. He is an star of the future, people think. I, I don't think that, obviously. I think he was very lucky and, in fact, you know, ridiculous to be named uh, second in Rookie of the Year last year. I think that was ridiculous. But people believe this, this guy. He is 25 and a half years old, so you know, he's not super young. And he's doing this with Dragic out. He's doing this with Bradley out and now with Hero out. The instinct is you just write it out. You, you love what he's doing. 37 points per game, fantasy points per game over the last four games. 31 points over the last eight games, 17 points per game, Yeah, 1.8 steals. He doesn't do much in other areas, but he's getting it through volume scoring and a lot of minutes. And I don't think volume scoring and a lot of minutes are on his radar for the rest of the year. Now, you can make the argument that Heat will say, well, that's fine. When Avery Bradley's back, we'll just play him over Bradley. Bradley was playing 20 minutes a night and not handling the ball because Dragic, Hero, Butler, and Bam were. None is thriving because he's playing a ton of minutes. He's playing as a point guard, and he's, and he's playing because two of those four guys that I mentioned are out. So any any guy that averages twenty five fantasy points or twenty 
26, 27 fantasy points. If you can get that back in a trade for none, I would absolutely do it. I do not think he's a 20 fantasy point per game guy the rest of the season. I just don't see enough minutes and enough touches for him to be as relevant as he has been. Marvin Bagley is also a bit of a sell high. People believe in this guy. He was the number two pick for a reason. Yeah, the reason is is that Vladi Divac was stupid. That's the reason. But people buy into it. Your draft legacy has such an impact on people's uh, evaluation of players. When, you know, realistically, it should have been gone a while ago. Now, Bagley's last three games have been good. 30 minutes, 19 points, 9 rebounds, 35 fantasy points. Remember, Rishon Holmes was out for some of that time. Harrison Barnes is out for all of that time. So we're getting more minutes from Bagley, and he's putting up good numbers. I don't believe he's a 30-minute-a-night player, nor is he a 19-point-per-game player. He's like a 25-fantasy-point guy. And... As a 25 fantasy point guy who's averaging 35 fantasy points, you've got some scope to try and uh, sell him off to the person who's a big believer in Marvin Bagley. Now, in category leagues, I wouldn't bo- even bother with it with him, but in points leagues, he is a rosterable player. And he's playing at a super high level at the moment. So if you can get any sort of guy averaging 30 fantasy points, I think that's a big win for you in that scenario. Guys, that'll do it for me today. I'll be back later on with a What to Watch For video. There'll be a live pregame show as well coming at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.